from the campus of the Southern California University of Health Sciences, welcome DNA Dan, a podcast on genetics, genomics, and the future of genomic medicine. Our host, Professor Dan Handley, will immerse you in the fascinating world of DNA and genomic medicine. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Hi, this is Dr. Dan Handley, Professor of Genetics and Genomics at Southern California University of Health Sciences. In the last episode, I discussed how the basic principles of inheritance were discovered. In this episode, part two of the discovery of DNA, we come to understand how DNA was first isolated and demonstrated to be the molecule responsible for heritable traits. In the early to mid-19th century, biologists assumed that heritable traits were transmitted by proteins and cells. Because of the wide variety of proteins being found, it seemed only natural that heritable information was being passed down from generation to generation through information embedded in proteins. However, physician and biologist Johann Friedrich Meischer wasn't convinced. He studied the composition of pus from used bandages that were full of white blood cells. Yeah, gross stuff but in the 19th century, it was not uncommon for physicians and chemists to study bodily fluids to figure out what they were composed of. In any case, unlike red blood cells, which do not contain a nucleus nor DNA, white blood cells are nucleated and therefore do contain DNA. In 1869, Meischer isolated and identified a substance he called nucleon because he believed it had come from the nucleus of white blood cells. A few years later, in 1881, Albrecht Kossel identified nucleon as composed of nucleic acids and gave it its present chemical name, deoxyribonucleic acid, or DNA. He also isolated the five nucleotide bases that are the building blocks of DNA and RNA, adenine, A, cytosine, C, guanine, G, thymine, T, and uracil, U. He was also the first biologist to do a systematic study of cell division. A year later, in 1882, he discovered mitosis. He also observed that during mitosis, chromosomes doubled in number prior to cells separating into two daughter cells. This bolstered the argument that DNA, in the form of chromosomes, was the molecule responsible for trait inheritance. However, chromosomes are only visible as distinct objects during a short time during the process of cell division. Most of the time, nuclear DNA can't be seen in the form of chromosomes, but rather as a tangled mess of filaments like a pile of spaghetti. Fleming appeared to have no knowledge of Gregor Mendel's work, and so didn't make the connection between chromosomes and heritable traits. The chromosome theory of inheritance was developed independently by Theodore Boveri and Walter Sutton. Boveri studied sea urchins and observed that without the full number of chromosomes in the sea urchin egg, it wouldn't develop normally. This was a clue that chromosomes were necessary for inheriting information from parent to offspring. Walter Sutton studied grasshopper procreation. He observed that both female eggs and male sperm contain matched pairs of chromosomes after undergoing a cell division process in reproduction called meiosis. He connected the dots and suggested that chromosomes might be the molecules responsible for the inheritance patterns Gregor Mendel had discovered. 
Sir Archibald Edward Garrod finally associated Mendel's laws of inheritance with human disease. He published the first findings about recessive inheritance of human disease in 1902. Garrod led the way for understanding genetic disorders as producing errors in the chemical pathways in the body. Today, many of these are known as inborn errors of metabolism. More major breakthroughs in our understanding of DNA came in the 1940s. As is usually the case in science, there were many researchers involved, but I will touch on the highlights for the sake of keeping this brief. Microbiologist Oswald Avery was working on pneumococcus bacteria. The bacteria comes in two forms, the R or rough version and the S or smooth version. The R version is harmless, but the S version causes disease. It was already known at the time that if you killed a colony of the S version and added the R version, the R version would transform into the disease-producing S version. This meant that something, presumably a chemical, could be transferred from the S version of the bacteria to transform the R version from harmless to disease-causing. Avery treated the S version of bacteria with enzymes that destroyed proteins. But after doing so, it still transformed the R version into the disease-causing S version. However, when he treated the bacteria with an enzyme that destroyed DNA, the transformation did not take place. This was essentially solid proof that DNA was the substance responsible for giving bacteria molecular information. By extension, this also means that DNA was very likely the molecule responsible for heritable traits. Now, between 1944 and 1950, Erwin Chargaff studied the composition of DNA in different species of living organisms. He found that the amount of nucleotides, adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine, were different in different species, but the ratio of adenine to thymine and cytosine to guanine were always one-to-one. In other words, the proportion of adenine to thymine was always identical, as was the proportion of cytosine to guanine. This was an important clue in determining the actual structure of DNA and how it encodes hereditary information. All of the history discussed so far culminated in one of the most important and dramatic discoveries in scientific history. That will be discussed in the next episode. This has been a production of the Southern California University of Health Sciences, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. The opinions stated here are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Southern California University of Health Sciences.